You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, thank you ladies for that. It's all downhill from here, so... Love to uh, hear them sing and be involved in the music part. I've been a music director for 18 years and uh, love being able to sing with my family. It's a real blessing. Uh, let me just say I'm so excited to be here this week. And uh, I've really appreciated uh, the warm reception we've gotten here. And uh, to answer everybody's question, probably the number one question on your minds, yes, we are very cold. So uh, Oklahoma is not this cold. Um, but uh, it's amazing if you don't spend too much time, we're just kind of running between heaters is what we're doing right now. Three of our family members forgot their jackets this week, so uh, that shows you how prepared we were for it, but we're enjoying it so far, and we we love Sioux Falls, and um, it's just been a blessing. We've enjoyed our week, and we're looking forward to find out what God has uh, for uh, our, our family, and especially for this church, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be here and looking forward to see what God will do. Um, I figured the other thing I need to tell you right up front, if I was to just let you know my biggest, deepest, darkest, worst secret, and and that is that I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I just might as well just throw it out there and get it out of the way right now because I know that's going to be offensive to a lot of people. So if that affects your vote, I'm sorry. Um, But... Uh, also, too, um, I almost got up and ran to the nursery if there was Culver's involved. So, um, as of about right now, I think I wouldn't mind being in there. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I really am thankful for this opportunity and for the Spencers hosting us so graciously. And uh, look forward to preaching tonight. And uh, uh, we, I've been wrestling with what to preach. This is a hard. This, it's hard to know in this setting what to preach. Um, but uh, I felt led right before the message or right before the service uh, to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. And so, Brother Steen, I gave you the title for the wrong message, so don't, don't put the, 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 the message title I gave you just yet on that. Jeremiah chapter 1, I think this is, this is really more of an appropriate uh, passage to bring tonight based on what I'm experiencing, maybe even a little bit what Brother Spencer's experiencing, and uh, I hope it would be an encouragement to you, um, and that is that there are no accidents with God, and His perfect plan is always working, and it doesn't always make sense to us, does it? Um, but there's some important lessons you can learn um, if you'll submit to His plan and stop looking at yourself and see what God can do. And Jeremiah is a prophet that learned that lesson. And we're going to read some verses out of Jeremiah 1, just out of respect of the reading of the Scripture. Would you stand with me? And Jeremiah chapter 1 is where we'll be. We'll read a few verses, and then we'll jump in. Jeremiah chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse, uh, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, 
For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Look down in verse 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and, a bra- and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Thankful for this message that God preaches to Jeremiah to encourage him in his time of feeling inadequate for the moment. We're going to pray and then get into the message tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for these good people. And already I feel a kindred spirit. I'm thankful for uh, just their welcome and their friendliness. And, and it's just a blessing to be here. God, I pray, though, that as we open the Word, you'd help our focus to be on your Word and that you would speak to us in a great way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Have you ever undertaken something that felt bigger than what you could handle? I think we've all been there. And I've been there myself, and one of the largest tasks that I've ever undertaken that made me feel inadequate for the job uh, was about ten years ago, nine years ago, we had bought a piece of property near, near our church there in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and we decided to build a house. Now, if you haven't built a house before, um, first of all, go to marriage counseling before you start. I just say that. Um... And my plan, because I'm like, well, I can't, how hard can it be? My plan was, well, I'll have some, so we've got a crew in our church that builds houses. I'll have them frame the house and kind of dry it in. And then once it's dried in, then I'll just kind of take it from there, you know, and I'll just take care of the next steps and, and go through it. And they'll walk me through it. But I cannot tell you how many times in that process, because I'm not a builder, how many times in that process um, I'm like, okay, the next thing that needs to be done is this. And I literally have no idea how to start. And I remember feeling this, this feeling of helplessness, helplessness so many times. I really just had no idea where to go or what to, what to do next. But what I did have at my disposal was a lot of good resources. And by resources, I mean I had a lot of men that knew how to do the electrical work, that knew how to do uh, the plumbing, that knew how to put the floors down, that knew how to hang the sheetrock, things like that. So I can't tell you how many times I would get on the phone and I would call those men that knew what they were doing in that moment because I was over my head. And if I hadn't been willing to make those calls, I can promise you that we would not have a house that's still standing. Have you ever been there before where you, you're in a position, you're, you're in a moment where you feel like the task is greater than your abilities? Like something, it's just too big. 
And I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. And I think about Jeremiah when I think about that. Because Jeremiah had a daunting task. He was a prophet, which meant it was his job to convey messages from God to the Jews. And it doesn't sound so bad until you realize the setting of the day. There are three kings mentioned in verses 2 and 3 of Jeremiah 1 that Jeremiah had the responsibility to deliver God's messages to, and that is Josiah, King Jehoiakim, and King Zedekiah. Now, Josiah, that would have been the easy person to preach to. If you know anything about the, the, the history of Israel, Josiah was a great king. He began his reign as an eight-year-old boy. And in 2 Kings 22, we see that Josiah ordered the renovation of the temple. And upon doing so, the priest discovered a scroll of the law, a book of the law. And after hearing it, Josiah rent his clothes. And he led the people in a revival that very few have ever rivaled. And because Josiah sought the Lord, God blessed Judah tremendously. And, that's, and it's a great testimony. We see in 2 Kings 23, I came across this verse about Josiah. It says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. That's quite a testimony, isn't it? Josiah was a godly man. He was a godly leader. But then he died, and along came his son Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim, you could call Jehoiakim a second-generation Christian. He was a second-generation follower of God, and he rode the coattails of a very godly father without ever having a relationship with God himself. And sometimes second-generation Christians, they want God's blessings on their lives, but they don't want to have to live by all the standards and rules that, that God may ask them to. So the Bible says that Jehoiakim did evil in the sight of the Lord, at one point, he despised Jeremiah's messages from God so much that he cut up a scroll, a word of God, and he threw it into a fire. That's what Jeremiah is dealing with. He's dealing with a man that, that didn't want to hear from God at all. But if you think that Jehoiakim was bad, then the third king, Zedekiah, was even worse. See, Jehoiakim burnt God's word in private, but Zedekiah publicly hated Jeremiah and God's messages. He rebelled against God, and he despised Jeremiah so much that he had him thrown in prison, and he only gave him one piece of bread a day. Then he had Jeremiah thrown into the filth of a, of a dungeon, and, and he didn't want to hear from God. He wanted God's prophet to be thrown into the darkest, deepest, smelliest places just to get him out of his, out of his mind. And these kings were so evil that God ushered in Israel's captivity to Babylon during this reign. And Jeremiah, can we say then that Jeremiah lived in a tough time, in a tough culture, with a tough job to give God's messages to people that had no desire to hear them? It's suggested that Jeremiah is an older teenager. When the Lord comes to him in verse 4, he's a young person in a bad culture. And I think about our young people. We see, I see some young people around the, the room, and it sounds, it sounds familiar to me when I think about being raised in a, in a bad culture as a young person. Doesn't it just grieve your heart to think about what this next generation will be facing as they're raised in this culture? Um, here's Jeremiah in a bad culture, but think about the violence in our culture. The immorality and the disunity and the hatred and the attack on, a, on gender and sexuality and 
I feel sorry for these young people and these children in here. And I know we all live in it, but they're the ones who are going to have to deal with this more than anyone else. And when it's this bad, I think we can feel like Jeremiah. And it's like me walking into my house, and the next thing on the list, and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do. I I don't even know the first step, and it's so daunting, and it's so big. You know, but look at verse 5. It says, God comes to Jeremiah and says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth, camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So here's Jeremiah feeling like this has got to be a mistake. I'm completely unqualified to stand and give God's messages to these people. But God comes along and says, wait, Jeremiah, before I formed thee, I knew thee. Before you were conceived in your mother, I, I had a plan for you to be a prophet. God knew, and technically God knew Jeremiah before Genesis 1. And God always knew about Jeremiah. God always knew the culture Jeremiah would be born into. God says, I sanctify thee, and I ordain thee to be a prophet. So there's Jeremiah, and he had a reason for being placed into that culture, in that time in history, and that was to represent God to a culture that didn't want to hear about God. Verse 10, it says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God had a very specific plan for Jeremiah, and that is to deal with the sins in the lives of the people around him. And don't we represent God in a tough culture too? We do, and we have a a job to represent a holy God in a culture that really doesn't want to hear about God. They don't want to know about God. They don't want to think about God. I I, I think about this, this baker, this wedding cake maker in Colorado. Have you followed his story a little bit? And how... Um, this a, a same-sex couple came and asked him to, to make a cake, and it refused on, based on his religious beliefs, so they took him to the courts. They took him to law. And I remember reading last summer, the same day that, that his court, or that his case was to be brought before literally the Supreme Court, it went that high. The same day that that case was brought to the Supreme Court, Someone else, an attorney, called him up and set him up and said, I would like for you to make a gender transition cake for us. Because they knew he would say no, and then they could turn around and sue him one more time. That's the culture we live in. It's a tough culture that doesn't want to hear about God, that doesn't care about God. And and I'm thinking, my question is, do you think that that surprises God? You think God is in heaven, and he's looking down, he's saying, yes, this is a tough culture. I, I didn't realize it was going to be this bad, and, and boy, all, all these people that live there right now, I feel really bad, because this, that was a complete accident that they're there right now. You think God is in heaven, surprised at what we're facing? No, he's not. He knew we would be here. He knew that you would be born in this time, in this day and age, and he knew it would be tough, and honestly, most cultures have been tough. We've had it pretty easy, haven't we, in America the last couple hundred years? But most cultures have been tough. If you've been a Christian in any other era, in any other age or generation, 
you've had it probably a lot tougher than we have in America. If you're a Christian in, in most other countries, you have it a lot tougher than we have it here in America, don't you? But listen, God knew you would be here. And God knew that I would be here. Young people, God knew that you would be born in this generation. He knew you before you were conceived. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God's had a plan for you to be a voice, a representative for Him in a very difficult culture. And we know that because there are no accidents with God. You're not the result of some chance encounter between your parents. You didn't surprise God when you came into this world. God has placed you and I in this culture at this time for a purpose. We were born for a reason. And He has plans for us just like He had plans for Jeremiah. Jeremiah existed to be a prophet to the nations. His role was to be a voice for God to Israel. And to follow Christ means we have a responsibility to represent God to the culture in which we live. We have a couple in our church. Their names are Val and Amy Castor. And if you've lived in Oklahoma, especially in the springtime, you've probably heard their names on Channel 9 in Oklahoma City. Val and Amy Castor are storm chasers. So they're the crazy people on earth. You know, while everyone else is running away from tornadoes, they're getting excited and they're, and they're, getting, they're getting in this big truck he's got with, uh, you know, a bunch of sponsor stickers all over it. It's all jacked up and just amazing. And he goes and he drives toward the storms. And every time there's a tornado, there's a storm, Val and Amy Castor, they get in their truck and they drive toward the tornado so that they can film it and send that feedback to Channel 9 in Oklahoma City, which then gets shown to broadcast to a, a couple million people. Val and Amy Castor have the responsibility to warn people about the coming storms. And they give up-to-date information. They're, they're out there on the front lines. They're doing their jobs, and they're doing, them to, they're doing it to save lives. They go to our church. They're very faithful people in our church. And Brother Val, it's amazing. The only thing he's more passionate about than storm chasing is he's the bus, the bus director at our church. And every Saturday morning, he's out knocking on doors. And you know what he's doing in a very symbolic way? Just like when he goes and chases storms to save people's lives from tornadoes, he's out trying to reach bus kids to get them to come to church so that he can save their lives from the impending storm of sin that they will no doubt live in if someone doesn't give them the message from God. Val and Amy Castor are out there all the time saving lives, warning people, trying to get people to understand where the storm's going. Listen, that's a great picture of our role spiritually. If we trust God's sovereignty, we have to believe He knew the culture we'd be born in, and He knew each of us would live in it, and He knew we would be the ones to represent Him in this time and this place. And the people around us, they're in spiritual danger. And just like a storm chaser warning people of impending danger, we have a job to do because people are dying spiritually all around us. They're in the direct path of the tornado that is God's judgment on sin. And someone's got to warn them. We have a responsibility to be the voice of God where we are. You know, God knew. If you believe in God's sovereignty at all, then you have to believe God knew where you would work. And He knew that you would need to be the voice for God in your workplace. Young people, God knew where you would go to school. 
And he knew that you would be the one that needs to represent him to those classmates that don't really care much about it. God knew where you would live. And he knew who your neighbors would be. God knew that you would be in this time, in this place, in that specific spot to be a voice for him. And it should give us confidence that we're all here for a reason. And God knew, and he's giving us what we need to do what we're supposed to do. And it sounds great that we can make a difference for God in, that, in, in those roles that God has placed us in. Yes, amen. I want to be a voice for God. I want to represent God to this culture. Amen. We say it, don't we? But it's not easy. And we don't always succeed. Why? Well, I think because the culture's tough. And that means our job as God's voice in the culture isn't easy. And when it's hard, it becomes easier to focus on Here's the, one of the reasons. We start to focus on the why nots. See, I can honestly, I could think of a thousand reasons not to be a voice for God. And you think about that, Jeremiah dealt with the very, that very thing. Look at, look at verse 6. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. See, Jeremiah couldn't see past his own limitations. He said, I'm, I mean, because we know he was young. I mean, we know historically speaking, he may have been 17 or 18 years old. So here's a 17-year-old, and he's supposed to stand before an evil king who hates God and deliver a message the king doesn't want to hear. I mean, he's 17. You, you talk about not being very confident as an adult, as a 41-year-old man standing before somebody that hates God and that has the power, if he wants to, to take my head off. I mean, I'd have second thoughts about delivering God's message. He didn't know what to say. He says, all oh, our God, I don't even know how to speak. Some, people's are, some people are talkers and some aren't, right? And you can't get some people to stop talking. And at the same time, you can't get some people to say a word. It's hard to carry a conversation with people sometimes. I think Jeremiah felt like that. I don't even know what to say. I mean, isn't it hard to invite people to church sometimes? It's hard to know what to say. And we're, we're, we're trying to strike up a conversation. You're trying to, to, to speak to somebody about spiritual things. It's sometimes, isn't it hard to know where to start? Well, talk about a, a, a young man, Jeremiah, who's 17 years old, he doesn't even, I mean, he's supposed to go to a king. What am I supposed to say? Ah, oh, Lord God, I cannot speak. I'm like a child. I don't even know where to start. Are these valid limitations? Are they valid limitations? He's young. He doesn't know what to say. He's afraid of the kings, probably. Well, we also know Jeremiah was afraid based on the fact that the Lord told him multiple times, don't be afraid. You know, Jeremiah couldn't see himself representing God because he couldn't see past his own limitations. We all have limitations, don't we? You have limitations, things that you think, well, if because of these things in my life, God can't use me. Uh, I'm maybe I'm not articulate enough. I don't know what to say. I don't feel intelligent enough. I'm not talented enough in that area, or I don't come from a Christian family. Maybe I'm, I'm too young, or I'm too short, I'm too insecure, I can't speak, I can't sing, I can't teach. You know, we can all think of a hundred reasons not to be a voice for God. We're all limited. 
And a lot of us use our limitations as reasons not to be a voice for God. And I think a lot of Christians just pack it in because they don't feel qualified. But that's the wrong way to view your limitations. See, our limitations are not excuses to settle for less than what God created us to be. God knew what your limitations would be when he created you. Remember, there are no surprises with God. There are no accidents with God. He knew that you'd be shy. He knew that you would not be real good in school. He knew that you may not know what to say, that you wouldn't be a good talker. He knew that you might not would be physically able. He knew that you might be too forward and that you always have your foot in your mouth. Does that apply to anybody in here? He knew that you'd be too young. He knew that you'd be maybe not cool enough. We can all, many of us relate to that one. But if God is sovereign, he knew your limitations and he still put you where you were supposed to be, to be a voice and a representative for God. And for that reason, we need to understand God doesn't look at our limitations as reasons we can't be used. He looks at our limitations as what qualify us to be used. See, Jeremiah's limitations qualified him for usefulness. Look how God responds to Jeremiah. Remember in verse 6, look again. Jeremiah said, Then said I, all Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But look at verse 7. But the Lord saith unto me, said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee that thou shalt speak. Verse 8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Verse 10, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Verse 17, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, verse 18, I have made thee. In verse 19, And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. See, God replaced all of Jeremiah's eyes with his own eyes. Jeremiah said, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But God said, I can, I can, I can, I can. And look how I'm working all of this out. And you see, it's not until we recognize our own limitations that God can step in and provide his strength. Christ said this way, said it this way to Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul had an infirmity of the flesh. We don't know what it was. He asked God to remove it, but Christ said, no, that limitation is actually what qualifies you to be used for me. See, you realize, as long as we think we can, there's no room for God to help. But as soon as we humbly ask him, He's right there. Jeremiah, you can't speak. You're afraid. You're young. And as long as you realize that you're limited, you're useful. Look over in Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, and we'll read a couple verses here. Start to wrap this up. Jeremiah chapter 9, it says in verse 23. 
Thus saith the Lord. Remember, this is Jeremiah writing. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And what Jeremiah was saying there in Jeremiah chapter 9 is this, if you're wise or you're mighty or you're rich or you're confident, you're not qualified to be used by God. But if you come to God and you say, God, I cannot, I don't know what to say, I don't have any money, I'm not wise, I'm not tall enough, I'm not smart enough, that's when God says, I can use you. Those are the ones he's looking for. He's not looking for the ones that say, God, I got this. Because if we say we got this, there's no room for him to step in and help us. See, listen, your limitations aren't excuses. They're qualifications. Your limitations are what put you in the position to be useful for God. And I know that seems backwards. Most job resumes have you list your what? What do you list on your job resume? Qualifications. But God says, I need your disqualifications. If, we're, if we have a job resume and we're submitting it to God and we say, here are all the things I can do, God. You know what he says? I don't need that list. Turn it over. On the back it says disqualifications. I want you to fill that one out. Because as soon as you understand that you don't have the power and you don't have the riches and you don't have the wisdom and you don't have any strength in yourself, that's when I can finally step in and start to use you in a way that you can make a difference for me in a culture that seems too big and too daunting to even start to face. And our limitations qualify us to be used by God. So what limitations are you using as excuses? You're too young, young people. A lot of young people think, well, I'm too young. I don't know what to say. Here's a 17-year-old man talking to kings that hated his God, and yet he delivered messages for God. You're not too young to be used by God. The Bible's full of young people that God used in a great way because they submitted themselves. So if you say, well, I'm too young to be used by God, you need to stop using it as an excuse because it doesn't work with God who's, who is capable of overcoming anything that you've got. You say, well, maybe I'm, a, well, I'm afraid. I'm, well, Jeremiah was afraid, and God didn't let him use that as an excuse. You say, I, I can't speak. I don't know what to say. Well, I'm sorry, Jeremiah couldn't, and yet God still put him there for a reason because there are no accidents with God. You say, I'm not smart enough, I haven't been saved very long, I don't have enough talent, I can't stand up here and sing, I can't speak in front of people, I can't pray in front of people, I don't have any experience in these things. Listen, whatever excuse you have, God is big enough to overcome it. And he promised his help, his strength, his grace, his deliverance, his enabling, his equipping, and it's on us if we limit God's work in us by focusing on our limitations. Are you going to settle for not being God's representative in a tough culture simply because you're, you feel disqualified or limited? See, if you want to make a difference that God wants you to make, stop looking at your inability 
and operate based on God's ability. A.W. Tozer said this, How completely satisfying to turn from your own limitations to a God who has none. How completely satisfying to turn from your own limitations to a God who has none. It's okay. Everyone's limited. Nobody's perfect. I have a brother-in-law and he says, it may not seem like it, but everybody's weird. Those limitations don't make you useless. They don't mean you're unworthy. They actually qualify you to be used. Because when you have a limitation, you can't help but turn to God for help. And it puts you in a position to be dependent on the God who is able to do anything. And so when you make a difference at work or school or in your neighborhood or in this church with your family or you find yourself representing God in an extremely tough culture, if it's not about your ability and it's about His, guess who gets the glory? That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Your limitations aren't excuses. They are qualifications to be used. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.